Hello and welcome to a special episode of the A-Leagues of Our Own podcast presented by The Inner Sanctum. On a monumental day for the game, Football Australia have confirmed the eight inaugural members of the national second tier. The formal announcement of this competition represents so many things to the diverse range of footballing communities in this country. For the seven old NSL clubs selected, it's a return to the national stage that they've been absent from for two decades. For MPL clubs around the country, it's the shattering of a glass ceiling, a goal to work towards and a path for progression. For players, coaches and officials alike, it's an essential development tool which plugs the wide gap between the MPL and the A-League. For the future of Australian football, it's a step towards a connected pyramid and robust transfer system that will provide the base for all future growth of the game. And for fans, all fans, it's hopefully the beginning of a reunification of support behind the world game in Australia. My name is Lachlan Abel and joining me today on this very significant occasion is Christian Montigan. Happy NST Day, Christian. Happy NST Day, Lockie. Good to be here. And we've got a very special guest as well on this episode today. He's been following this process very closely and has been a huge contributor to the MPL, particularly in Victoria. Neil Simons, thank you for coming on with us today. No worries, mate. It's my pleasure. So I guess we'll start with what we've learnt today. The NST will launch in 2025. It'll either be part of a 10 or 12 team competition, home and away league plus finals. Eight of those teams were confirmed today. So we've got Avondale, Preston Lions and South Melbourne from Victoria, then Arpia Leichhardt, Marconi Stallions, Sydney Olympic, Sydney United 58, and then Wollongong Wolves from New South Wales. Two or four teams will be added in the next 15 months or so to make up that full league. And I guess, Neil, one of the most controversial things that people have been talking about is the fact that just Victorian, just New South Wales teams uh, in this initial batch, you and I share a similar view on this, that the financial sustainability of these clubs is the most paramount thing here. Fundamentally, I don't see the point in putting teams that don't have the financial criteria in the initial eight teams. If they're not fit and proper, then they shouldn't have got to this process in the first place. I'm not going to blindly defend Football Australia through all this process. And I understand that obviously there's a lot of discourse about the way that they handled this process and um, everything like that. But I think fundamentally, we have to assess it on the basis of what it is. And obviously, clubs had to pay a $500,000 bank guarantee to Football Australia. Um, the clubs that did that and then obviously went through various other processes in which I don't think we'll ever really find out. Um, were selected. So as to the New South Wales and Victoria thing, yeah, it's a bit, it's not great, but I think at the end of the day, look at all these former clubs and they were all in the NSL. So besides Avondale, of course. So um, seven of those teams are in the NSL and you'd expect those teams have that necessary financial backbone. Teams like Harderberg United, Melbourne Knights, big sticking point for me, mainly Melbourne Knights specifically. But I think at the, at, the, at the end of the day, you know, this is sort of what the situation is. And hopefully um, in, these, in these coming months, you know, that the two to four teams that, that, are, that will be identified for those um, new slots could be from Queensland and South Australia. And I don't think Western Australia will be in it for quite a while, if not at all, to be honest. Yeah, so Christian, we saw none of the WA bids made it to the final stage of application through the NST process. 
we were hoping to get either some Queensland SA or Tasmanian teams as well. Maybe they'll be a part of those four extra teams. What do you say to the people that, you know, complaining it's supposed to be this new national league, but just has the two Eastern states? Uh, I think from the outside looking in, if you're someone who does, is not that educated on, you know, the financial side, etc. You'll say, oh, you know, it's called a national league, but yet it's just Sydney and Melbourne based. But most important thing is the financial stability. You don't want teams like, you know, Gold Coast, North Queensland, Fury, all these, you know, teams going bankrupt. That's going to be the exact same if these teams from other states enter. So, I mean, that'll take time. It's not like it's going to be a Melbourne, Sydney thing for forever. You know, this would be, I'm not too sure, maybe three to five years maybe and then maybe start to see some new some new teams coming from different states just depends on the financial state of those clubs to be honest but yeah that'll get there over time but just for now you've got to make sure this is like perfectly spot on you you can't muck this up not especially you know the first couple of years um you know trying to establish the new league you can't really have a significant hiccup um such as you know financial instability so no they've made the right decision Neil, do you reckon it gives a little more perspective to the extra year delay as well? If some of these clubs from other states perhaps couldn't quite get the financials there, but you know, FA wanted to give them time to do so, then the extra 12 months makes a bit of sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure we'll touch on it later as to sort of how, how the interaction was towards the end of this calendar year with, with the MPLs. Um, but I think that judging by Football Australia's press conference, they've haven't really scratched the surface of how the league will actually look besides the format um, and the and the clubs, of course. So I think the next you know six months or so will be establishing that framework behind the competition in terms of the various travel logistics and um, sponsor on, on on boarding and things like that. So um, you know, even questions about salary caps were, were asked today, and they said there wouldn't be one. But you know, there hasn't been a full like document of like the whole league and. Well, it will entail the prize money or the various regulations with the young players. Foreign limits is so much to cover. And I think we're only really scratching the surface now and um, really putting it into perspective. You know, Football Australia didn't want to rush and get it out um, by 2024. And that, you know, looking back on it now, if they proceeded to 2024, this league would have been an unfettered disaster. Um, so by taking that extra year, they've done the right thing. And I think it does give them a lot more time to really assess the the various logistics in relation to travel um, as well. Well, I'll, I'll jump on what your comment about the interaction between the NPL and the NST, because I know you're talking to George today in your podcast about, you know, NPL clubs are potentially waiting two to three to four months longer to sign players for their new season because they weren't sure what was going to happen. And, you know, James Johnson made a big point today that aligning the transfer windows and things like that between the leagues was one of the highest priorities to make sure that clubs have that planning ability. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from from a Victorian perspective, Avondale, uh, South, those clubs awaited a long time to sign players. Um, Gully and those clubs, like most of them recruited as per normal, but clubs like Knights, et cetera, they, they definitely took their time. Players would have usually been signed by September. Most deals are usually wrapped up by October, November-ish. Um, and players were only, re- only being were only being re-signed in the past week for, for South and Avondale, as I understand. So um, there's obviously a big, a big difference there. And you know, people can understand that these players, like a lot of them have mortgages to pay. Um, a lot of them have to know, you know, if they're staying in Victoria, because a lot of them obviously from Queensland and and whatnot. And 
I think it, it's it's very difficult for them to to look at the situation, and it was quite stressful on some that didn't really you know live here long term. So, how does the job situation work? You know, because these players aren't going to be aren't going to be fully professional. So, do we train in the morning? Do we train in the evenings? How many times do we train per week? Um, very stressful things to sort of figure out. Now we now now that we have a long time to figure that out, I think it gives the players a lot more certainty. All right, playing the NPL for the, for the, for next year business as usual nothing's really going to change what have we seen so far in terms of the transfer activity in terms of players going different directions because i'm sure next year we'll see it more players are going to want to be a part of the clubs that have been confirmed for the nst is that starting to happen already south have put a very good squad together this season they haven't really spent big in the npl to be brutally honest they're not spending nearly at what they can do i think we're sort of seeing that they can do it now you know, they signed some very good players. You know, uh, Kian Cuba, you know, uh, Mario Barcia is a, a talented footballer. Uh, of course, Harry Sawyer who's playing in Finland, like <laughs> top tier Finland scoring goals. You know, I mean, those players don't usually come back to the NPL. Um, so really demonstrative of, of what they want to do next year. And I think they're really going to start preparing themselves this year. I don't think you'll see a massive jump in terms of off the field per se, but they'll be doing work in the background to try and galvanize the supporter base for this season. Um, I guess Avondale, I can't really speak on them to be honest, because I don't know. I know they've signed Mayan Mayan, uh, a goalkeeper from Western United, but like that's just they're very MPL-esque signing and they've got the best squad in the league by far on paper. So um, it's very hard to sort of look at it at the moment, but yeah, I think clubs are really going to just going to spend within, within their means. And I guess for next year, if they can establish a strong base for the season, they'll 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 do the best for next year. So, I do see most coaches staying on. Um, Preston, by the way, um, I'm under the understanding that they've put a fantastic squad together for NPL three standards. It's they'll they'll probably steamroll the league. Like um, it is ridiculous the team that they put together um, so far. Yeah, Preston are, are definitely wanted to take to take that leap and. Um, it, expand themselves uh, from a from a footballing perspective they've also signed a very good assistant coach uh this season who was at uh melbourne city uh chris don Kriskevsky. um and yeah he's obviously come to come to preston and uh yeah it's 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 gonna be really good to see him and, and louis Osevsky coach them uh, next year i mean for, for preston it's it kind of weird for them they don't really have any they've got a lot to play for but it's sort of weird because even even if they get promoted it's like you're getting promoted twice. So, yeah, very strange. Very strange. Neil, in terms of the what you said before about the gap between, you know, the second division and the first division with the salaries and whatnot, is that a concern for you, do you reckon? Or will that be fixed up over time, like you said? Yeah, good question. I think um, the budgets in NPL, they vary, they vary so much. There's, there's like no salary cap in the NPL. I'm not sure if you're aware, but there's a point system, which is – uh, no one likes it. <laughs> uh, people despise it. In fact, so there's no like salary limits or anything like that. So, um, yeah, do I see spending increasing? Yeah, I mean, most teams usually spend around the same, um, but some like the bottom tier teams don't really spend as much. So it's so bottom like in the NPL Victoria um, top tier. Yeah, do I see a big jump? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, of course, the demands on players is going to be higher, so therefore you're going to have to pay them more. Um, train four times a week pay them more you know so it won't be a full-time salary or anything like that but it will definitely be a lot more and i think you'll see a lot of players dropping down from the a-league who aren't getting as much game time because they all right so i can play at a decently high level 
still respected as a national competition. It's being broadcast widely. It's widely accessible, and I'm playing in front of decently sized crowds. So, be a more attractive proposition for players, and as a result, clubs will have to spend more. Um, I think a club like Avondale, for example, will probably keep a very similar roster. I mean, you don't really, you can't really improve <laughs> on the year that they just had um, the champions. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and just the, the gold records and everything like that. So, um, as for South Melbourne, um, yeah, they they obviously have got a lot of work to do, and they obviously finished second, but a lot of a lot, a lot of squad turnover. You know, guys like Marcus Schroen, um, you know Ben Jiba, and a lot of those players just departing the club. Um, and Pat Langlois as well, who's gone to, I think, America. Um, there's obviously been a lot of change there. So, yeah, I think we'll see, man. It's going to, it's going to take a long time and, and we'll see uh, we'll see what happens. Even in terms of like the foundations and stuff, like just South Melbourne, for example, like I'm more confident about sort of the crowd turnout compared to, you know, some of these newly formed A-League clubs over the years. Yeah. I think that's, that's definitely one positive to take out of it. That's something where I'm, yeah, extremely confident. It's just... Yeah, that level of just that professional level in terms of the playing quality, et cetera, between the, the second division and the first division, that's that gap's really gonna have to close before we start, you know, talking about promotion relegation. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think um, to that point, Barker Stroh, I don't think he actually, he actually has not left the club. I got him mixed up with Pat Langlois, but um, I think he's still staying on. I mean, Brad Norton left as well. As I was saying, I think um, I, I think yeah, the disparity is obviously a bit big, but I think I, I just I don't I'm of the firm belief that NPL players are not that close to A League players in terms of like the training methods and whatnot. We we haven't got enough professional players in the country. I think if you were to put most NPL players that are in the top half of the table in Victoria in a professional training environment, most of them would be wouldn't be out of place in A League setups. So I guess the level of disparities is is it's obviously a lot, but I I think with more training and better quality technical players in these NST teams, you'll see that gap um, close extensively, and we've seen that gap close in recent years even um, with Sydney United and. Um, and what they did, and, and and the Oakley Cannons as well, defeating Sydney FC, and seen a lot of cup sets recently, and um, I'm, I'm sure that will continue. So, in terms of this kind of big question of why the NST, why we need it, why we want it, having that kind of intermediate step between the MPL and the A leagues is one of the answers to that question, right? We get more clubs that you know eventually hope we hope in three to five years will turn professional and their players will be professional for 12 months of the year, which is the important thing. More opportunities for coaches, more opportunities for officials. It helps bridge that gap. So hopefully in 10, in 15 years' time, when we do want to think about promotion and relegation to the A-League, that that gap won't be as big. Yeah, definitely. I think it's more so, uh, ironically, that it wasn't really touched on as much today, that the NSL when that sort of dissipated into thin air, as I remarked on the podcast, I use that exact same terminology. It, it, that's literally what happened. These, these clubs were cast out into the wilderness to try and rebuild themselves. And it's taken them 21 years to do that um, at the moment. What it's going to do for these communities, what it's going to redo, do, do to these clubs, it's going to revitalize them and it's going to reshape them as a whole and reshape their identity, which is important because uh, I think that, there's been a lot of soul searching for these football clubs and how they've maintained their operations over the past and how they can go forward with, with a prosperous future. So as a whole, that gap needs to be closed and we need more authentic football clubs in this country. I'm just being brutally honest. The fact that we have a franchise model is a good thing, 
um, in terms of the fact that it provides financial stability, but in terms of the authenticness of that and the authenticity of it, uh, you find that does lack a little bit. And obviously, it's very hard to pander to these, you know, uh, ethnic-based clubs. And obviously, the, the nationalism has been celebrated in the past, but I think it's been a lot more watered down. And a lot, and these, and these clubs don't. I know some clubs in Victoria don't really want to exactly play too much into the nationalist identity that they used to have because these clubs are not just for the Greek or Italian communities, they're for everyone. So I think everyone welcomes everyone. You know, you won't see riots at South Melbourne versus Preston Lions. Like that won't happen anymore. Um, I think people are very tolerant of each other. And I think this is going to be a celebration of football and diversity and prosperity. And that will help close the gap, not just in the, in the, actual ability of footballers but also in the administrative sense and also within various other factors and for me that's been one of the really underrated points of this whole process is you know i didn't grow up with a football club i didn't really play the game so i don't have really any affiliation to these NPL teams my dad took me to an ala game so i was a melbourne victory supporter you know and i wasn't really aware of you know the history of the nsl and you know some of the resentment that a lot of these supporters have towards a league because their team was just all of a sudden kicked out of the national limelight. And why should they go support an A-League club when the club they've been supporting their whole life have been, you know, sent down to the States? So hopefully, Christian, I think one of the things that can come out of this whole scenario is it reunifies the supporter base and, you know, we're coming together, you know, that utopia of a full pyramid and start moving towards the same goal rather than pushing against each other. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I've had a few friends and, you know, a few family relatives like over the years they have been members of some of these NSL clubs for years. And then all of a sudden, like you said, they've just been, they feel like as though they've been kicked out essentially just to create, you know, this whole new competition. They've sort of been left behind and they've felt neglected in a sense. So yeah, you're right. Um, having this, it will bridge that pyramid, just making everyone sort of included, I guess. And that's, that's the main thing out of this really to get more support because, yeah, there's been a lot of people that have obviously been, you know, against the A-League. Just imagine how many more supporters, how many more people could have been on board. Neil, do you get the feeling that there's a real, like, kind of renaissance of these clubs? Like, this is our time, we're back, here we go. It's really hard to sort of say that when you haven't really experienced sort of, like, extensive crowds per se, but I think you do get the feeling that there's a bit of revisionism amongst the footballing public uh, to, to reintegrate these clubs into a national competition. Um, the apathy expressed by those supporters that were fans of NSL clubs and obviously don't follow the A-League it is totally justified. And I know there's been a little bit of bicker, bickering back and forth on, <laughs> on the other side. Like, I get it. Like, it's, it's all in good fun and good taste. But I just think that at, at the moment, the renaissance will have to come from these clubs to be honest and to try and re-engage these communities we'll see second and third generation supporters of these football clubs come into the fray now and it's a very different very different era than it was 20 years ago you know 21 year olds who were supporting the nsl now in their in their mid-40s so fans like you know like us i guess that grew up with the a-league are gonna it, it might be hard for some of them to, to support an npl club or support an nst club um because of they perceive, oh, this is the best football on display in Australia. Why would I want to engage with with something below? But I, I think that the passion and the community vibe is just 
second to none in Australian sport. And I really encourage everyone to get down to an MPL club uh, or, or, or your local this season just to experience it. And um, the, the quality really isn't as bad as people make it out to be. It's actually, the, I'd say it's the most entertaining league that I've watched in Australia, the Victorian MPL. But, you know, I think the, the, the revisionism and the Renaissance era will arrive in 2025. I'm certain of it. In the first few rounds, the fixturing will uh, bring a lot of eyeballs to the competition. And it's fascinating, right? Because Christian, you touched on it before, but you know, some of the newer A-League clubs that are coming in, you know, particularly you could highlight MacArthur, their supporter base is absolutely dwindling compared to clubs like Preston to Apia to South Melbourne. Uh, these clubs are going to come into the NST with huge supporter bases. You know, I know you said earlier today that, you know, perhaps some of these old fans as well that maybe haven't been so supportive the last 20 years, maybe they'll come out of the woodwork and these clubs are going to arrive with massive fan bases that will really push the A-League clubs to what they can do. Yeah, and like I said before, it's all about the foundation. I mean, these clubs have been around for, what, 20, 30, 40 years, like in the NSL. Um, they've got that that rich history that you sort of can't you can't buy, you can't create. You know, you've seen clubs like MacArthur, like you mentioned, Lockie. They're struggling for crowds, and it's that location factor as well. These clubs, they have a they have an identity, and that's, that's so important, you know, when you're creating a new league uh, like this one, you want it to grow. Uh, like you wanted to do. So, um, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I'm looking forward to it. All right, we'll touch on a couple of other news items to come out of the presser today. Uh, the Champions League format for the MPL, we're expecting to come in uh, for the men's at the end of the next season, 2024, and the women's in 2025 as well, with a, a long-term vision perhaps is this to represent promotion into the national second tier or something like that. Neil, I there's been a history of some kind of like uh, MPL championship towards the end of the year. <laughs> the MPL national finals. <laughs> yeah. How has that worked? And, and, you know, what are you looking forward to in terms of the Champions League format? <laughs> the the MPL, um, <laughs> the MPL national league finals, probably one of the most superfluous uh, implementations from, from football Australia. <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't had one since 2019. So it's obviously due to COVID, but yeah, I think just make it mean a lot more. Have a group stage, make it, make it, make it a spectacle. Maybe hold it in, in tandem with the Australia Cup final. I don't know. So make make it make it mean something. Make these players want to want to play for it. I mean, from my understanding, like the MPL National Finals, like if you want to, if you look at the 2019 edition, um, you know, it's it's held at like a specific venue. It's it goes quarterfinals, semifinals, and a grand final. The winner of the grand final gets an automatic slot into the round of 32 of the Australia Cup the following year. So. I just feel like you need like a like a carnival, you know, like hold like have like a weekend hold like let's say you have the eight eight MPL winners across the country or however many there are have like a group stage like play every two days have it over the week like make it make it be proper. But if they obviously if they, if they want people to fly across the country for it, I'm open to that as well. I think make these players want to want to work for something. So uh, hopefully we can we can hear confirmation of that and. But just the, the knockout format was just like so pointless. <laughs> no one, no one cared. <laughs> you were getting dangerously close to calling it a festival of football there. <laughs> Honestly, make it a festival of football. <laughs> like, make it. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I feel like you just with with a Champions League model, like you have to obviously do it properly, like a Champions League. If it's like a gala day, then fair enough. But yeah, yeah I think we. 
we if it's a Champions League model, I think football it's in football Australia's best interest for twenty twenty four at least to do it properly and to hold a Champions League model towards the end of the year where you know people are flying out and stuff. So, albeit like a knockout, or maybe like a group stage of Victoria, group stage in New South Wales, and then I don't know. I'm I'm not a I'm not a competitions regulator, so we'll see. More football is is good. Uh, Christian also. Um, it was touched on before, but there will be no salary cap, James Johnson said, but what there will be is sustainability rules. So it, it harps into this whole thing about the financial side of it is that we want these clubs to be sustainable and spend within their means. But, you know, we do see in the A-League that we have a salary cap which helps with competitive balance. Is, do we want to see that in the NST as well or are we happy with the clubs that are more financially successful to be able to spend that money? I think you can get away with without a salary cap just to have a bit of freedom because in the A-League, you've got some clubs, the the gap between, you know, the financial side of it, it can be pretty big, you know, victory Sydney compared to the rest of the league. At least with these clubs, I'm not too sure about like the exact financial position, obviously, but I'm assuming they're all relatively sort of within within range. So I think not too much big of a deal as for now. I think in a few years' time, that might change and I think it probably should um, you know especially with you know the amount of teams coming into it etc um, the more it grows but yeah for now I think it's the right decision for sure. Neil part, part of the whole getting the teams into the NST was providing NPL clubs with almost like a, a target to achieve for and an aim would a salary cap kind of hamstring their ability to grow independently from the league? That's a brilliant question. Um, as long as it's on a point system, go ahead. <laughs> Free reign. Um, nah, I think, uh, yeah, if you have like a similar thing to what they have in England with, I think, League 1 and League 2 with spending, I think, a specific amount in relation to your turnover or profit or something like that, um, I think that will be great because they don't want these clubs to go bankrupt. I think those were introduced after Bury um, and was it Wigan? Bolton. Bury and, Wig- uh, Bury and Bolton, I think, were the two clubs in a lot of trouble and Bury actually went under. So I think if we can just ensure that that, that can happen um, and that there's more, well, as much sustainability as possible uh, within the within the MPL and, and NST, that, that's important. But just for the love of God, just please no point system. Just <laughs> That will never work in the NST. And it will just mean that clubs can just go do what absolutely ever they want, but it will also, in hindsight, be restricted so much in terms of who they can sign. And the, yeah, I understand why the point system is in, in place, but it's got nothing to do with financial. It's just all to do with like promoting loyalty and apparently young players, which it doesn't. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. In terms of the final system as well, that's obviously still in place. It's the same same format as the as the A-Leagues. They, they haven't said exactly what the finals format will be, just that there will be one. If I'm a betting man, it'd be the same. <laughs> but, there will be, but there will be finals though. Yeah. So with that, they haven't obviously, you know, said for sure, but I mean, just say if it's what top four, top four, maybe just say, for example, that make the finals then in terms of promotion stuff later on, I think it should go to a point, just a points-based system. You know, as all leagues around Europe, I know. Oh, like first past the post, yeah, yeah. I know it's a discussion for later on down the future. It's not specifically for right now, but I think that's definitely important because the A leagues you can get away with it. You know, the top grand final, etc. We know Australia loves that tradition of you know the grand final, the finals, etc. Fair enough, but 
for the second division, I think it just has to be no finals. It's got to be top two. Maybe you can do like a championship in England where you've got the three, four, five, six, maybe between maybe the third place. I think that'd be more interesting anyway. I think that'd really attract a lot of interest. But yeah, that's just my view. Do you think there's room, Neil, for a you know promotion to be decided based on a league table, but then still a champion decided by a final series as well? Can they coexist? Yeah, so on the podcast today, uh, let's not walk before we can. Sorry, let's not run before we run before we can walk. I think let's just let's get this thing done away. Let's let's have a final series. Let's have it like the NSL um, final series. All that first past the post. I think it is a good method, but this league needs this league needs to make money. This league needs to have people uh, interested and captivated. So, if that means that there's a final series, then then so be it. Um, and I think it, there's obviously a, a level of prestigiousness that's also associated with it. So, yeah, but I think for promotion, like in my personal opinion, a final series should only be in the top tier of a league like Australia. And when it comes to uh, the rest, uh, I think, uh, yeah, promotion, first past post, always the best way to go about it. We will take a break now. Neil, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, we mentioned your podcast a couple of times. Where can people find it? Yeah, Pitch the Park podcast. Yeah, we're starting up again. Uh, you can find on Spotify, Apple, and, and whatnot. I think we'll get a Twitter up pretty soon as well. So some pretty exciting stuff coming. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Obviously, uh, me and Melzi are uh, uh, looking forward to the upcoming season. And yeah, there'll be a lot of talk about um, about what's happening in, in the world of football. So um, if you want to hear a unique player perspective on, on football and everything to do with the MPL and I guess stories about you know the, his time in the A-League and everything yeah um yeah tune in yeah of course neil simons and george mel's current avondale player in mpl victoria we're going to come back just in a second because paletti is fresh off the press conference in sydney okay welcome back christian and i are still here and we're joined by paletti who is fresh off the press conference in sydney uh Paletti, thank you for joining us tonight well Fresh is uh, is one way of describing it. I'd say <laughs> I'm whatever the opposite of fresh is. You were there. Um, it, yes, it has been a very, very long day. Uh, a, a worthwhile day, though. I, I'm not complaining. Um, honestly, like it was a very good press conference. Just the whole day, uh, the one-on-ones, like, everything that Football Australia did was incredibly well around this. And so I will, you know, given how quick we usually all like to criticize when things look bad, we've got to give credit when things are good. And so full credit to football Australia for everything they put together today. Um, we asked Neil this as well, in terms of what he felt kind of the atmosphere was around the NPL clubs right now, whether they feel like, you know, this is their moment to come back out of the woodworks, so to speak after 20 years, the, the NSL clubs in particular, did it feel like there was that kind of vibe in the room today? Yeah, I think so. It's, everyone's coming back to a national stage um, outside of the Australia Cup. Don't know if coming out is the right phrase to use here. I just it felt like a more of a relief than anything like that. That you know, after all the discussion, after all the jokes that everyone makes, you know, NST plus two, blah 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 blah. It's happening. It's here. And for all the criticism that's been levied about, oh, you know, it's the New South Wales Victoria Super League, essentially. You know, a very strong candidate of launch clubs, inaugural clubs. And I think that's something that a lot of people have missed in this entire discussion is that there are going to be clubs added as we get closer to the launch. You know, Football Australia did indicate, you know, there's still more bids to go through that, you know, 
there will be at least two teams or four teams. So two teams or four teams, it's not going to be one, it's not going to be three. It is either two or four for a nice, even home and away, no buys, anything like that. I would expect that we're going to see non-New South Wales, non-Victorian teams be prioritised for those bids. That's not anything from from Football Australia. That is just my my speculation, my guesses. Um, I'd probably put South Hobart on the list. I did ask directly about South Hobart in the press conference, and it was uh, basically we're not going to comment on you know individual teams or individual bids. Which is fair enough for the moment, right? Yeah, um, lack of a Queensland team was definitely surprising. Um, I think I think we all expected that it was going to be the ten teams at you know at this that were going to make it up initially. So to see only eight when we walked in to the presser today was for me a little bit surprising. I think the Queensland one is an interesting case, and I know we talked about this a little bit before the recording. Um, there are there have been some significant obstructions towards. Queensland teams joining the NST that aren't just financial and we'll have more news on that front on the inner sanctum.com.au in the coming days as well. But Christian, I think in terms of the other states as well missing out, one thing that we didn't mention with Neil is that if we do get to this optimal setup with promotion and relegation, teams from those states aren't going to be guaranteed places anyway. So we want the strongest clubs in to start with and we can go from there. Yeah, definitely. I think it's been the right approach. Like we said before in the uh, before with Neil, I mean, like with the with the Melbourne Sydney clubs, you understand if someone's not well educated, thinking, "Oh yeah, it's just Melbourne Sydney bias." But at the end of the day, you need, like you said, lucky, strong, solid foundations to you know, and it's all financial as well. At the end of the day, we're not going to have a situation where we're going to get other clubs from other states in, and then you know, being a disaster a couple of years down the line, and then these clubs not being able to survive and you know sustain themselves. So. They've planned it out well. You can't fault football show at all. They've done the right thing, and and yeah, I think they've. It'll be good to set up for the future for you know those teams for other states to to come in once the league starts to develop. Yeah, I think we've we've beaten that uh, sustainability point at nauseum now. So hopefully we've got our point across. Paletti, anything from you before we sign off? So just on the sustainability aspect, um, James Johnson was asked. You know, kind of like an all-in uh, away from the main press conference uh, after you know all the photos and everything had been done um, about the bank guarantee and the participation fee. We don't have the exact numbers. Uh, Football Australia did not feel at liberty to divulge that information, uh, but he did speak a little bit about the bank guarantee. Uh, so James Johnson quote: "The objective is on the bank guarantee is that we want to manage risk." We don't want clubs falling over, and if we do need to step in, we'll be calling on the bank guarantee. It's really to give us some security with the selections. That was important for us. In terms of the participation fee going forward, there is going to be a fee. Um, We're not looking to make money out of this competition. We're looking to invest in the administration and key roles that can market the competition so that we can build the business model through those three revenue streams I spoke about before, broadcast, match day, and sponsorship. So any bit of investment that comes in is really to run the competition, but to also help us build a business model, which is going to take time, uh, which is going to take some time over years. Uh, and it did confirm that it is an annual participation fee as well. So while we don't have the numbers, there really is going to be the security with this competition. Yeah, and that seems quite consistent with all their messaging in terms of the broadcast deal as well, right? He said, you know, they need to find a right balance of 
um, getting money in, but they were willing to forfeit a little bit of that to expand the reach and the visibility of the competition as well and really ensuring that, that stable base. Okay, that sounds great. Pallady, thank you for jumping on real quick with us tonight. Christian, thank you for the whole show. We will be back tomorrow with a wrap-up of the dub action from the weekend. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.